and welcome back to another episode of Lost It Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed. Of course, always joining me, my co-host in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Walter Lukashensky. Walter, it's what I would say Christmas Eve, maybe not Christmas Day, but NFL schedule release this week. But before we dive in, how was your week, man? Yeah, it's not quite Christmas necessarily for people like me. I already told you, I've given up Christmas to the draft. So, you know what, I'll give this, like it's like Valentine's Day or something like that, where I get myself a little bit excited. But guess what? I'm going to do what every other NFL fan does, and I'm going to completely forget about my schedule 19 times between now and August. And every single time I pull up the schedule, I'm going to go, oh my God, you know what? The Raiders? I think 15 and 1, 16, or oh, let me, excuse me, 15 and 2. Because it's 17 games. I think 15 and 2 or 16 and 1 looks realistic here. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I guess you could split with the Chiefs, but outside of that, I don't know who's going to beat the Raiders on this schedule. So, yeah, if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well otherwise. Yeah, a crazy little bit of week here. Don't even know really what the where to start with. Sister, she graduated. It's Mother's Day, my dad's birthday, my former boss unfortunately passed away. It was like spectrum everywhere where I didn't know what to do. But yeah, I'm glad to be talking about the NFL again. This is one of the kind of escapes, I guess you could say, each week. So I'm pretty pretty excited to dissect the schedule, dissect the NFL a little bit with you here tonight, Stephen. How are you doing? Not doing too bad. Sounds like you went through a little Jim Valvano stage, all, all four emotions in the same day over and over again. But glad to see that you're in good spirits. I'm doing great. You know I'm drinking. The Aaron Rodgers news has not gotten better. But, you know, I had a good weekend. I was actually in your neck of the woods. Ironically, the weekend that you were in my neck of the woods. So, unfortunately, we were not able to link up. But I have a feeling that we are going to soon. It's just a matter of time. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's you live right here in Cranberry. I don't know how long I'm going to still be here. But the intersection will happen. And even if it doesn't. We both are have our families right here within five minutes of each other. We both have roots in Columbus. We're going to be around each other forever. 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 Whether you want to see my ugly mug or not, you're stuck with me. Well, let's not pussyfoot around here. Let's get into some funny stories, and we start talking about the stories of the week, and most importantly, the schedule release that is happening currently right now. First story, huge fan, my man, J. Cole, North Carolina zone. Not only is he dropping his album the offseason this Friday, it's going to be an absolute banger, but my man also just signed with an African basketball team, the Rwanda Patriots BBC, which is if you guys haven't been following, this is the expansion between that is backed by FIBA and NBA that is happening in Africa. Ha, has about 12 teams right now. Their inaugural season actually starts here on Sunday. J. Cole is slated, or Jermaine Cole, as some of you may know him, slated to play about three to six games with this team. We don't see this too often, Wally. We see musical artists flopping over to the basketball side. I know you, you most likely haven't seen any clips of J. Cole playing. The Duke can ball. But what are your thoughts about making this crossover, especially at his tender age of 36? So this is actually good because I'm going to basically be like, I'd imagine a majority of our listeners. So I'm going to ask you almost a couple questions here follow-up wise because I don't know well, uh, or I don't know much, I should say, about what's going on. Where is this league actually have staying power, first of all? So keep that in your mental bank, Stephen. I'm throwing five questions at once at you. You better answer every single one where you're a failure to me and this podcast. So one, is this a legitimate league? Is this something that J. Cole is going to actually be able to pump up at all? Two, is he going to play serious minutes? Because that's where I wonder, if he's playing three to six games, is this the, I'm going to come in for a possession or two kind of thing? I'm going to sit on the bench. Everyone got to see J. Cole throw on a basketball jersey and chuck up a three. Who knows? And probably not contested, because no one's going to be the guy to block J. Cole. We all know how that works. So I guess that's two. And then the other thing I was going to say is, is this a publicity stunt for J. Cole, or does he actually care about the success of this league? So I only gave you three instead of five. If I come up with more, I'm going to give you more. But I guess that's my three questions for you, because I don't know anything 
about what's going on in this situation? So I'll work my way backwards, and I already forgot all the questions. Uh, so the last one you asked is: he, Is this a publicity stunt? Is he doing this for real? No, he's doing this for real. He, you know, he's got videos out of him playing pickup ball with the NBA NBA players here in the off season. You know, a couple years back when he was the halftime show at the NBA All Star Game, they gave him a ball to go dunk, and he just literally went from sitting down, jeans. Tennis shoes, it all just went up there. Obviously missed a dunk, but the dude has talent, and he's actually been down there in Rwanda, I would say, for the past like month, month and a half doing this. And he does a lot of things behind the scenes, so I'm not surprised that this kind of came about naturally. J. Cole's very, very low-key, and he's doing it because he loves basketball, and this is, this is an opportunity. I don't really think that he could play serious minutes in this. Yeah, like I said, it's the inaugural season, so I believe that he is going to be able to contribute to this team right off the bench. Like I said, he is 36, so I don't know how much time, but at the same time, I don't know how well the talent is, this being the first year, only having 12 teams. So you know the talent's only going to get better, and I think Jake Cole is getting in at the right time. And to kind of answer back on, you don't want to be that guy that blocks J. Cole. Don't you kind of want to be that guy that blocks J. Cole? Wouldn't that be really cool? You blocked a bunch of other people, but how many people are going to be able to say that they that they were able to block Jermaine Cole himself? And what was the first question? I kind of spaced out on that one. You actually did a good job on answering that as well, because I was asking if he actually wants this league not that he didn't want the league to succeed, but does he think this league has staying power, so to speak, and if he's willing to do all that you said he's willing to do, naturally you'd imagine that he thinks that this league has the not only talent but the fan care and fan reception to give this league a chance, I guess. And yeah, I guess I would want to block Jay Cole too just to say I did it. It's just a matter of, you know how big this entire world is. Do everybody on that floor... Know that the guy they're playing, I don't know what position he is. You say he's 36. He can obviously ball. If he can dunk or at least miss a dunk in jeans and in shoes, you're, you're talking about a guy that's got to be, what, 6'3", 6'4"? So at least he's going to have the size. So you wonder if the guy on the other side has any idea who he's actually playing against. Because if I literally stood in front of J. Cole right now, you brought him in front of me, I'd be like, oh, hey, dude, hey, nice to meet you. Because I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what these guys look like. Uh, I guess... Again, anything you want to add to that, because I don't know jack shit about basketball, let alone basketball leagues on another side of the country. I keep saying country, on another side of the world. Yeah, so that's a little bit different. All I know is that tip-off is this Sunday. I'm going to find out how to stream this to back up my man, Jermaine Cole. Hopefully there's not too much of a time difference, because I know that Rwanda is about six hours ahead so hopefully if it's not too too late i'll be able to watch it so i'm i'm gonna be pretty pumped like i said the off season j cole coming this friday dropped a single just an interlude which is a baller move by someone just to drop that as a single on top of that la leakers he just dropped two freestyles on there absolutely blew my mind i'm sitting in my girlfriend's place just screaming at nothing it's just one of those where you make that ugly face you're like who hurt you Jermaine and he just goes in so I can't wait for this Friday nonetheless let's move it on here unless you got anything to add Walter I didn't think so you know this is a, I like the theme that we have going here for the most part this is a crossover uh, fun stories DK Metcalf this past Sunday made a crossover into the 100 meter qualifying for the Olympics here in the Golden Games Fortunately, DK Metcalf finishes ninth out of ninth. An official time of 10.37. He actually ended up finishing 15th out of 17th overall in the entire heat. So the man didn't come in last. How horrible do those two people feel that they lost to an NFL star that they probably have no idea who is? Nonetheless, DK Metcalf will not be an Olympian, but he definitely raised some eyebrows, got his name on a bigger stage because it's extremely impressive. So he didn't get smoked by these people. He kept up with them the whole time until that, that last stretch where it kind of proved who were the uh, bigger athletes on that stage in that particular time. What did you think of DK's performance? First of all, you said that he did not come in last place. That in itself is an incredible accomplishment. To come in 15th out of 17th 
with people that perform and train year-round to do what these guys are doing, the only thing I have to say is I haven't looked yet. I'm pretty convinced without even looking down at the, the box score here on times, Buda Baker had to be 16 or 17. At the very least, he had to get his shot in there to get another crack at DK, and he just was like, holy shit, they're 40 feet. They're 40 meters in front of me. This is insane. I I will say this, though. Good for DK for trying this. He knew going into it he wasn't going to win. He probably had a good idea that what happened was likely to happen. It's a little bit of an ego strike, and that's not to like, say that he shouldn't be proud or anything what he did. He's an incredible fast man. He's incredibly fast in the NFL. It just goes to show that when you focalize on one sport, whatever sport that is, the odds are you're going to be better than the people that are casual in your sport or even just walk in. You know what I'm saying? Oh, exactly. And like you said, I don't think it's an ego strike. I think it's an ego stroke, if anything. He didn't finish last. And this dude didn't really train. You give him actually serious time to train, a timetable of like three or four months, let him lose some of that muscle. Why not be middle of the pack, upper three, top three, top five? There's a potential for that. Why is Tyreek Hill not doing this, though? Stop stuffing your face, Wally. And now you're throwing it back with a twisted T. This is an icy light, mind you. That's Iron City light. That's Pittsburgh light beer. I have the mic at my side as I was talking, so that's on me. This is what happens. I'm sorry. It, we're getting into the boring part of the year where I need to throw beers back to watch an NFL schedule release. I should not be blamed for this. This is this is basically homework. I am drinking homework. But yeah, Tyreek Hill, I would love to see even just a race between... Tell me this one and sell tickets. You pick the fastest 10... NFL athletes, it doesn't have to be NFL. You pick the fastest 10 professional four sports athletes and you make them run a sprint every summer, give like charity money. Like the winner gets a million dollars of their charity because you know people are going to watch. If people are paying to watch Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, and Phil Mickelson golf in a rainstorm, we pay to watch the top 10 guys in professional American sports run a race. I think that'd be awesome, man. I'd love to see Tyreek Hill run because I really do think that of the big-name NFL players, he's the fastest in the league right now. We can name it the Ego Olympics. Just all of the egotistical athletes crammed into one, you know, maybe multiple events. I like the charity idea in there, but the Ego Olympics. There's even people, like you said, Peyton Manning, Tiger Woods, like Tom Brady. These guys are so competitive and I wouldn't even say egotistical, but all their egos will get in the way every event that they are participating in. And think about how many times you see NFL players or other sports players walk on a basketball court and just do that casual, like, two dribble, pull up, like, no jump, and make, like, a shot and be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at basketball. But I want to see athletes perform in sports that are not their sports to perform in. I think that would be awesome. I don't know how you would do it. You mentioned the Ego Olympics. I think that would be the way you have to do it, where it's almost a running joke and people give money to charities to watch these events. And it brings, obviously, guys that have a tough time getting basically ridiculed by the media. All of a sudden, they're personally trying to get a little bit of back, not backlash, but you know, it's a joke. It's you're not as good as the professional athlete. That's got to be a little bit of a strike to the ego. It would take something like the Olympics. It would take some, or the, the ego Olympics, quote unquote, in sponsorships that way to make it work. So I, I do think that's a funny idea. And we'll kind of stay on the ego train, depending who you ask. I think he has a little bit of an ego. Russell Westbrook breaking the triple-double record that's been held in the NBA for 47 years by, of course, Oscar Robinson with 181. Russ notches his 182nd this week, and this man is on an absolute tear. I mean, really, he's had about 165-plus of those in the past seven years. Oscar Robinson was the only person to ever average a triple-double during an entire season, which he's done once. Russell Westbrook is about to do it for the fourth time in five years. Absolutely ridiculous. Russ's team wins about 75% of those that 
he does post a triple-double in. Outside of that, you don't see it equating in any championship rings. Nonetheless, extremely impressive on Russell Westbrook's part. I know you're not really that much of a basketball guy, Wally, but you got to comment on this. I'm not the giant basketball guy. I like basketball. I always kind of sell myself a little bit short. That's kind of the type of person I am. I did like basketball, and I watched it for a long time, especially when LeBron was with the Cavs, especially when Kobe was alive and playing with the Lakers, because those were guys that naturally everybody wants to watch. Everybody wanted to watch. So I got to see quite a bit of Russell Westbrook, especially in the Thunder days. Russell Westbrook, you know, you remember that team. I mean, James Harden was the sixth man. Russell Westbrook was the, I guess, sidekick to Kevin Durant. And he kind of got hidden for a long time. He goes to Houston. He is a very talented player. I'm not going to sell him short. What I will say is he is a stat hunter. And the style of play he has is conducive to getting these kind of statistical performances. Having the triple doubles, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. The guy, he's a very talented player. But here, but you asked me about Russell Westbrook. I forgot completely that he was even with Washington because that's who I am as a person. I'm watching the top teams in the NBA at best in the regular season. Once we get to the playoffs, I'll start paying attention a little bit more. But I swear, I completely forgot Russell Westbrook was even out of Houston. But good for him. I, I know that this is a very long-standing record. A lot of people never thought it would be broken. I guess it is good for Russell Westbrook that he's able to break this kind of a statistical record because likely he'll never win an NBA championship. It doesn't seem like a team is able to win with him. I don't think he's willing to basically step aside and not touch the ball as much as he would need to to win a championship. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, and he's not really going for the super teams that have been forming over the NBA closer to the past decade, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, him and Bradley Beal have something good going on. They they caught fire a little bit too late here towards the end of the season. But you never know. That hot hand could extend into the playoffs. There's a lot, a lot of tough teams on the East between Milwaukee, the 76ers, and the Nets went healthy. So I doubt that. But, yeah, unless they get another piece, potentially two in Washington, I don't see them ever winning a championship or unless Russ goes and ring chases somewhere. So you're right. I agree, Walter. That's what I like about you, man. You know what I'm talking about. We just we just rag on Russell Westbrook. This is an anti-Russell Westbrook podcast. Agreed, Steven. No, I never said that, Wally. Now you're just kind of jumping the gun there. Comment down. I like Russ Westbrook. He's a funny dude. One of the funniest shit talkers ever. And he's just a meme lord. Glad we can agree. This is officially an anti-Russell Westbrook podcast from this day forward. Carry on with the next subject, though. I'm not going to let you keep talking basketball. No more Russ. What? What's his number? Is it like, it's like 23 or 43 or something like that? Anti-RW43. I'm just giving him 43 for the rest of the time. He's number 43 from here on out. Clearly number zero. I never agreed to this. You're acting completely different off that icy light, Walter. I am not about it. Let's move it on. Tim Tebow somehow is making it back into the league with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know last week we were speculating about the rumors that he could be signing with them, officially does as a tight end, and a lot of eyebrows are being raised within the organization. Seems like not a lot of people in Jacksonville are too pumped about signing Tim Tebow. On top of that, this move is just getting backlash in general because, of course, you know, why is Colin Kaepernick still not on a team, but Tim Tebow gets signed off the street or off the Mets A baseball roster right into the NBA, or right into the NFL so flawlessly, yet Colin Kaepernick is battling left and right to even think about getting a tryout for this. So, what the fuck is Jacksonville doing, signing Tim Tebow? And what are your thoughts about the backlash with the whole Colin Kaepernick comparison? Yeah, so I haven't actually heard a lot about the Colin Kaepernick stuff, so I'm going to almost have to have you go into that a little bit more here in a second. But what, what I will say about Tim Tebow is... That a lot of people, Benjamin Albright's one of my favorite insiders in the NFL. He's been reporting on it the last couple of days, and even he kind of acknowledged that it had been circled around radio shows before his even brought it up. But Tim Tebow is three games away, Stephen, from being considered a veteran in the NFL. 
that gives you a ton of retirement benefits. That gives you a ton of basically financial security. Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer go way back. What if this is just Urban Meyer throwing his buddy a bone, basically? Hey, I know you're in good shape. You're going to, at the worst case scenario, be a solid practice squad guy, or if he's going to have to be on the roster for three weeks, he can be a solid, I guess, special teamer, I suppose. I don't know. It just feels like a favor done opposed to anything else. Now, just reading between the lines of what you said about Colin Kaepernick, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, without the obvious protest stuff, I think he would have been in the NFL longer. I don't think there's a lot of people out there today that would try to argue the opposite of that. It's just a matter of, do these owners have the right to basically say, hey, we don't want that distraction in for a guy that's going to be a backup or a quarterback that we don't want to represent that's not a conversation we're here to have. So I just want to hear more about what you're actually talking about with the Kaepernick situation first. But ultimately, I think Tim Tebow stuff, look out for that. He plays three games or he's a part of a roster for three games. If he just coincidentally disappears, that's herbs out there doing his buddy a solid. I hope Tim Tebow tears his ACL in his second game, never plays a third, never plays another down in football. Fuck Tim Tebow. I'm so sick and tired of this dude hanging around for no reason. He's an ass athlete past college. So tired of dealing with Tim Tebow. Now, for the Colin Kaepernick thing, there's just some athletes coming out here thinking it's kind of weird, fishy that, you know, Tim Tebow is able to kind of bounce around and get signed, you know, old Lottie Dottie this easy when Colin Kaepernick has just not been able to find work at all in the NFL and pretty, you know, Obviously, we know with the protesting, him having that trial here a couple years ago, not really going well, him not really ever signing with anyone. It's just raising a lot of flags. It's like, okay, well, why is Tim Tebow, a guy who's obviously dog shit at the sport, getting an opportunity here when there's better talent that's just sitting out here because of, obviously, the underlying racist reasons? All I'll say is that at least Tebow's getting signed as a non-quarterback position because if this was a quarterback position— then I think Colin Kaepernick would have much more of a gripe. And he already probably has a gripe. I'm not trying to say he doesn't. Because he probably was more than capable enough to be a backup quarterback with this skill set. But understanding that each owner has their own private interest in mind, if Tim Tebow is being signed back as a quarterback, I'd be more upset. But for right now, I think I'm willing to move on. And that we will, Wally. We'll actually move on to, we'll go full deep in here with a couple of off-season stories that have happened here over the week, and then we'll get into the schedule release, the real reason you guys are here. First things first, ex-Kansas City Chief Eric Fisher, who was cut this off-season, signs a one-year $9.4 million deal with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts finished 2027 7th in the O-line rankings. Looks like they're getting bolstered here with Eric Fisher. Injury or not, the guy's going to be able to contribute when he's at least 75% and on healthy to an already very good Colts line, and they have built that reputation in the league the past few years with the addition of Quentin Nelson in the draft. Eric Fisher, Quentin Nelson, like I said, Ryan Kelly, Mark Lewinsky, and then Braden Smith projected to be their top five. Obviously with Carson Wentz under center here, if you guys do not remember, Going to have a little bit better protection than he had in Philly here the past couple years. Obviously, coming off an injury, like I said, Wally, what are your thoughts on this move and for that price? Price-wise, sure, it might have been overpaying a little bit, especially a guy coming off an injury like he has. It's often career-ending. What I will say is that this is an offensive line. You just pointed out this is much better than Carson Wentz has ever seen before. You're talking about... Not only Eric Fisher being opposite uh, Braden Smith, whatever, but you're talking about Quentin Nelson, who's going to be one of the best guards of all time. I do not care. That's like I'm in love with him. I'm in love with the interior offensive linemen, guys like this that don't get the credit they deserve. Quentin Nelson just does his job perfectly. He will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's no one's going to remember this. But that's, like, on the record. I'm willing to go on that. He is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But you are trying to build around Carson Wentz a little bit. The Colts are loaded. This was a team that took the ghost of Phillip Rivers within earshot of going to the divisional round this last year. 
But the Colts lose to the Bills in that game that the Colts very well could have won that game, by the way. Had they not had a few missed field goals from Blankenship, etc., if you have Phil Rivers able to actually stretch the field a little bit differently than we will typically see, the line's great. The defense is good. Though finally, they get a, a little bit of pass rush on quarterbacks, and then what do they do? They bring in Quiddy Pay. This is going to be a Colts team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And that fact that they bring in Carson Wentz, just makes it one of the most polarizing teams going into the year because if Carson Wentz achieves well, you kind of have Philadelphia feeling a little vindicated, but at the same time, it's oh my god, should we have should we have stuck with him? Because they basically just abandoned ship on Carson Wentz, not only once with Nick Foles, but again with Jalen Hurts. So I a little bit of me kind of really wants to see it happen where the Colts end up being the surprise team that can compete with the Chiefs. Because if they can beat the Chiefs, they're just as good as anybody else in the AFC. I'd still take the Browns, still take the Bills. But the Colts are good enough. They are good enough, Stephen, to go to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. We're not going to really get into the divisional, who's winning the division, advancing in the playoffs here. Honestly, until probably like August, a little bit closer to September, once we know what the injuries are looking like. But Super Bowl? You were telling me the fucking Browns are going to the Super Bowl two weeks ago. Make up your goddamn mind. That's weird because I'm pretty sure what I just said, and I made sure I said it twice, they are good enough to get to the Super Bowl. They're not going there because guess what? The Super Browns are Super Bowl bound. That's what's going to happen. If it is not the Chiefs, it will be Cleveland. What I am telling you is if just magically, however it happens, Indianapolis stumbles into a Super Bowl, I'm not going to have my jaw on the floor because they have a solid defense. They have a very good line, great running back. Receivers can, eh, they leave, a, they, I mean, they're not great. I mean, they've got a little speed there. But it comes down to Carson Wentz. And I just am not high enough on Carson Wentz to see them as a Super Bowl team. I just think... Beyond that, the roster's good enough. You're fucking high. Don't tell me you're, they're good enough to go to the Super Bowl and be like, well, they're not going to the Super Bowl. Then how are they good enough to go to the Super Bowl? You're fucking high. We're moving on, unfortunately. I move this up here a little bit. You have to get the beer crack because the Green Bay Packers have officially signed Blake Bortles as a quarterback for their roster. Now, this is all... In the midst of the Aaron Rodgers drama that's been going on, been boiling over here the past couple weeks. But here yesterday, Green Bay Packers, quote-unquote, offered a significant long-term deal to Aaron Rodgers. Now here the next day, they signed blank portals. Still no communication, at least no, at least nothing has been vocalized from Aaron or his party quite yet. It's all about hearsay. His friends like John Cooney has been on the NFL Network. What do you think about this Blake Bortles signing? You love Blake, so I know your dick is hard right now. And about Green Bay finally pulling the trigger maybe about two months too late. As far, Okay, so I joke about you, or I joke with you all the time. I like Blake Bortles. I'm a big part of my take fan. So every PMT person out there. They have a little bit of an allegiance to Blake Bortles. So I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. And I think he will be a serviceable backup for a long time in the league. Here's the deal. So if Aaron Rodgers is not there in Green Bay next year, it does not matter who else on earth steps into that role. There will likely be a fallback. This has got to be category number one. It's got to be top checklist number one. Anything top of the list that you can do, if you were a Green Bay person in the front office, it has got to be getting Aaron Rodgers back. You love having a guy like Blake Bortles back there if Rodgers has a hangnail and he has to walk off for a play. He's the kind of guy that can do that. Blake Bortles and anybody else, if they're expected to step in and actually be a guy that holds serviceable minutes, Green Bay's roster isn't good enough to be a Super Bowl winner with another quarterback. Blake Bortles is the perfect backup to have because he's the guy you want to have if, again, Rodgers gets the turf toe. He gets, I don't know, he pulls an oblique. He misses three or four weeks, and you know Rodgers will be back by the postseason. But to go into a postseason game with Blake Bortles as your quarterback, you can't win in 2021 like that. This isn't the... 
2017 or 2018 Pittsburgh Steelers and Heinz Field you're walking into. This is this is a different animal. I, I don't really know what else to say. This is your topic. I'm going to really let you kind of delve in. I just was poking the bear a little bit with the Blake Bortles jokes. Yeah, you're a fucking asshole. The real depressed Packer in me is just like, oh, great. Now we're a step closer to Aaron Rodgers being out the door. But the optimistic Packer fan in me goes, awesome. That means Jordan Love is another step outside the door. We get rid of that. Goodbye. Admit it's a mistake. Let's move on. Have a very solid backup quarterback. Aaron, you're in. That deal, apparently that was offered to him, would make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. But also what he wants is just confirmation that he is a starter that he's going to be the starter throughout the whole contract. All right, fucking do it. If we're able to knock all this out and somehow Gunnakust is able to hold on to his job, I guess that's the best of both worlds. I personally want to see Gunnakust gone. But if we're able to get this done, why not? Get Aaron his money, the longevity of his position at quarterback, starting for the team as well. We'll move on, address everything else, make the trade for Julio Jones, Bada boom, bada bing, Super Bowl for the next three years. That might be a little bit too optimistic for you. It is the only thing that is keeping me going at this moment. I'm glad you said that because you almost felt like I was coming in. Did you say three Super Bowls? Did I hear the word three? Fuck it, why not? Yeah, I completely agree because the Raiders are also going to win three Super Bowls in the next five years. I also am going to be optimistic. At least my optimism is more realistic than yours. Hey, 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 hey. You said that Aaron Rodgers was going to be a Raider, so my optimism should be just as high as yours. And you said the Colts were good enough to win a Super Bowl. How the fuck are the Raiders going to do it during that time? Because they have Aaron Rodgers. Seriously, suck a fart out of my ass through a straw. We're moving on, keeping in the same division in the NFC North. The Detroit Lions did not draft a quarterback. Jared Goff calls that, quote, a vote of confidence. Is that really the case, Walter? Or are they actually committing to the tank? Decent O-line. They got TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams at their tight end and running back positions. And their wide receivers look like three dudes I can pick up off the streets, any random streets in Columbus. I think Jared Goff has every right to be optimistic as he should be. And I would want to be too if I'm a starting quarterback in the NFL. And for the moment, he's going to be. He will be for about half this season at the least, I would say. With that offensive line, it's probably as good of an opportunity protection-wise as he's going to get. You talk about Sewell. You talk about Decker. You talk about Ragnow. This is a little bit of a core they have going on that can be excited about. Now, you have also Jamal Williams. You have DeAndre Swift. You have TJ Hawkinson's of the world. You were talking about how This wide receiver room, it's basically three guys they found on the side of the street. You and I might as well be running routes. I like Tyrell Williams. He's a very good deep threat. But realistically, even going back before the Raider days when he was with the Chargers, how much of Tyrell Williams came on a non-fly route? It's nine route, fly route, whatever you want to call it, or bust with Tyrell. You need to have guys that are better route runners, and they just simply don't have that right now. I think this is a team that is basically committed to the tank. I think this is a team that is understanding we need to build over the next few years. They've won one playoff game. They have won one playoff game since 1959. If they ever want to get back and have any shot there, they need to actually have more than just the premier skill position player in the league. And I'm sure they're used to hearing that now. You had Barry Sanders, you had Calvin Johnson, and you did not win jack shit. You had Matt Stafford, and you didn't win jack shit. Build from the inside. Maybe it's a new recipe for them. Hopefully it works. I don't know what to say about Detroit. I feel bad for them a lot more than you because you're obviously a Packer fan. But good luck, Detroit. You're in for a long haul the next three or four years. Enjoy biting kneecaps. Yeah, exactly. It's a roster full of people that want to take a kneecap off when they get knocked down. That's all, Wally. I wish this was Chicago that had all this mishap and misfortune, not winning a playoff game since the 50s, but Detroit will do just fine. Shout out to my boys, Kyle Butson, Brock Chamberlain. Sorry, boys. Never going to get that dub in the playoffs anytime soon. 
Yeah, I don't know Kyle Buttonwall, but he's really nice to me on Twitter. So good for you, Kyle. Hope your your lines do good. Do well. As an English major, I think that you would present yourself a little bit better than that. Hey, fuck yourself. How about that? Yeah, no grammatical errors there. I'll I'll take that and uh, run with it. Finally, the NFL schedule release. Now, obviously, we're not going to go through every single game that's gone. There's a 17th game added here, if you guys don't know. That's a lot of a lot of games to go over. We just want to take away the key ones that are sticking out to us that we want to watch, and I'm assuming you guys want to watch as well. Opening day, we got the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Bucks returning all their Super Bowl starters from the following season. This is the first time that's happened since, uh, God, man, it's been a while, hasn't it, Wally? Yeah, it's been uh, since 1977. I'm glad you asked me for that. The Oakland, not Las Vegas, not Los Angeles, but the Oakland Raiders, they went 13-1. and They won a Super Bowl in, in 1976. What did they do the following year? They lose in the AFC title game to Denver when they returned all their starters. So it is at least proof that the teams are going to come back and be very much of a test. I mean, do you expect you to understand? I mean, this team is loaded. Tampa Bay is going to be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of how far they go. And we have more of that coming up the next few weeks. Steven will tease it. But we're going to talk about what we expect these teams to do. But yeah, it's not something that the Bucs aren't going to repeat. I'm going to go on record and say it there. I said it. We'll keep hearing more. I will talk more when we do our preview show, but the Bucs are not going to repeat. Damn, Wally, you need to stop drinking. It's that time of the year where you're turning your back on Tom Brady and the rude awakening is about to happen in a slow death by a thousand cuts during the NFL season. Man, I cannot wait. Also, I don't really give a shit that the Raiders lost the AFC Championship game that year. Like, come on, stop holding on to that. You weren't even alive. Anyway, the next game that kind of sticks out to us, Cleveland Brownies getting an immediate test right out of the gates at Kansas City, 425 Eastern, week one. What are your thoughts on that game? The Brownies going back to Arrowhead. It'll be a close game. It's going to be a game that is even into the third quarter, technically in doubt. It's nothing against Cleveland. And I'll change my opinion 15 times before opening kickoff, but Kansas City is going to win this game. This has all the makings of being a 37-24, a 41-24 kind of game where the Browns move the ball. They look good. It's just a matter of the Chiefs are just a better football team. The Chiefs, I said this last year. There's not actually been a podcast I have not said this on, but the Chiefs are basically going to be my broken pick forever. If Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, if Andy Reid is your head coach, my brain is stupid, and I say, oh, so they're going to win the in the Super Bowl every year. Like, it's a lock. So no disrespect to Cleveland. I think the Chiefs win that first one. But the Browns are still super. Don't forget that, Steven. Yes, I will not forget that, Wally. Don't you worry. I Actually, I don't agree. Once we get closer, we can examine these. We see what injuries are happening. Kansas City's O-line it looks really good on paper, just like Cleveland's D-line does. So let's see it in action week one. It's, it's a good one to cleanse the palate, really start the season off strong. NFL is going back to London here for two games this year, which is awesome. Didn't think that was going to happen. Atlanta Falcons will host the New York Jets Sunday, October 10th. And the Jags will be at home against the Miami Dolphins the following Sunday, October 17th. Both the games are going to kick off at 2.30 p.m. UK time, which we all know is 9.30 our time. Those are personally one of my favorite Sundays. I know the London games really aren't that great. They Typically do not have good teams that are playing, but Jacksonville, that is their game. That is the most fun that Jacksonville has and the most interesting game that they have every single year. Do you like the London games coming back? Only the dose of two this year, like a Pfizer shot? Yeah, the Pfizer games, like you just said, the Johnson and Johnson game. No, no, it's not the Johnson. If it was the Johnson and Johnson game, we'd get a doubleheader, Wally. Read a fucking book. Yeah, but we'd get like four. It'd be like the Johnson, 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 and Johnson because that's the NFL schedule. It's four Sunday games then. Well, it's not. It's a visor. You get one shot. The next week you get the other shot. Yeah, but isn't it usually the CBS that does the game? It's basically a Johnson and Johnson. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. This second game 
I actually am looking forward to the only time, and I'm broken, remember, I'm biased, I'm a Raiders fan, but the only other time I can truthfully remember a game out in England being exciting to me was when the Bears and Raiders played out there, and they had a really fun game. You might have to correct me. Maybe I'm wrong. Did the Bengals and Eagles play a game in England that was tied? Because I feel like that would be basically what they want. If you're out in Wembley, I'd be like, yeah, I kind of want like a nil-nil draw. But anyway, before we, I, I go back to you and you can tell me if I'm an idiot or not, if that Bengals-Eagles game was a draw. Yeah, that Jaguars-Dolphins game actually feels like a lot of fun. It's kind of funny that we have an interstate game being played overseas opposed to inside those two states. But it's great for the country of England because they're also going to be able to get to see one of our premier young quarterbacks playing in a game. Because you know Trevor Lawrence is going to be playing in that. You know Tua Tagovailoa is going to be playing in that game. And that's going to be not only the Battle of Florida, it turns into the Battle of London that day. The winner of that doesn't necessarily matter, but Tua and Miami, they're going to be trying to get into that wild card picture. Jacksonville, I really do think, with Trevor Lawrence, and purely on Trevor Lawrence, this is a team that can get up to six or seven wins next year. So I'd be fired up if I'm London. I'd be, I'm fired up purely as an American fan because that makes four different time slots that I can watch a football game. So I can put my full heart and effort into four games for a particular Sunday. So, yeah, I agree with you. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year, whether or not that's the public belief or not. Yeah, those 9.30, get your first game at 9.30. Last one starts at 8.30. It's like 14, 15 hours of football. God, that's one of my favorite Sundays. Before we move on to some of the games that really stuck out to us here, mostly in the primetime slot, Monday night, not having a doubleheader this year. I fucking hate it. I always looked forward to to having the double Monday night game and gave me an excuse to stay up a little bit later. And I know you got to be feeling some type of way because more times than not, it's Oakland that has that because they are a West coast team. They want the second game starts at 10 o'clock typically and Oakland and now Vegas. I feel like usually host those games more times than not. So what are you feeling? Have you been reading my diary? Cause it feels like you've been reading my diary. Well, I haven't not been reading your diary, but I think it's time to tell you that that's actually just Facebook post. That's all public. So I just want you to know that. We all know about your pissing problem like Bobby Boucher now. Well, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, because I do have a little bit of a, I don't know what to call it because I'm a little sad that the Raiders aren't going to be playing on that 10-20 slot on Monday Night Football anymore to open the year. But a part of me also is like, you know what, I'm kind of happy I'm not going to have to be forced to stay up until 145 to watch us lose on like a last-second field goal to the Chargers or to the the Broncos. I almost said the Donkeys because I am a Raiders fan. And that's what my brain does. I don't know. It's it's a little bizarre. I, I guess it makes sense because like that afternoon slot on the first Sunday, it usually feels a little light even without having the bye weeks. Like you just want to have all the teams playing. I This is my hot take for you, Steven. I'd love to eliminate... That opening Thursday night game, I'd love to eliminate that opening Monday night game, and I'd love to just do literally all 32 teams play on that first Sunday of the year. Have the Sunday night game all you want. Have that be the one where the Bucks and whoever else plays, let them defend their ring on Sunday night. But otherwise, I'd do the 30 teams right there at 1 o'clock, at 4 o'clock, and be done with it. Well, geez, Wally's really, really deep in the icy lights is coming out with that hot take. I'm not fully against it, but I don't know. I like the Thursday night aspect. I like having those primetime games. Kind of like the London games, the Thursday night games typically aren't that good. But for betting-wise, they're awesome. I love betting on Thursday night games. You always want to take the home team. For the most part, you want to take the under, too, depending on how, how the teams are playing. But that's just a good way to start the the weekend of gambling off right. Then you can end it with Monday night props, spreads, money lines, whatever you want. Maybe you had a really good weekend and you want to just throw some house money on it. Maybe you had a really bad weekend and you need to win some money back. That Monday night game is going to be your savior and that Thursday night game is going to be your nightmare because you, right when you win all that money back on Monday night, you're like, wow, I'm not doing that again. 
except there's this Chargers-Broncos game here Thursday night. Not a lot of defense has been, been, been played here recently. Justin Herbert's on fire. Why not take the over? Fuck it. I am fully invested in. You win that, and again, it's just a full circle of gambling. Like Walter says best, you're only one bet away from being a winner. And I'll keep it moving along here to some couple of the games that stuck out to me. I'll go with non-biased game. I'm going to go with the Sunday night games here. How does week four not stick out to you? Tampa Bay in Foxborough, Tom Brady's first time back in New England, obviously since becoming a member of the Buccaneers and winning another Super Bowl. I hope I didn't steal this game from you, Wally, but what do you think about this game, and what's your Sunday night game of choice? Yeah, naturally, Tampa going back to New England, the Gronk and Tom Brady returning to Foxborough, that's a massive... Potentially Julian Edelman as well. (laughs) Yeah, if Julian Edelman is there, you know what, that's fine. I'll buy you a, a big old 11 Edelman jersey for... Tampa Bay. That's not a problem. That's not going to happen. But I will say it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's going to be a game that most of the country is like, oh yeah, rip each other apart. When in reality, it's just going to be New England and Tampa Bay fans kissing each other, being like, we love Tom Brady so much. So I don't think that's going to be my pick. What I'm going to go, I'm going to go out here on a limb. You're not going to like this, Steven. Are you ready? I'm going to say we're talking week 14, Packers, Bears. I am ready for the idea of Justin Fields at the helm to be playing. I really wanted to say Blake Bortles and be that guy and to do it again and be like, Blake Bortles, Justin Fields, can you imagine a matchup? But no, imagine a matchup of rookie quarterback Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears, going up against Green Bay, the entire city, and Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. In a game that, who knows, could have potential divisional implications on it. And if Justin Fields found a way to win that game at Lambeau Field, could that be? You're shaking your head. Your eyes are darting back and forth. Could that be the passing of the torch? You are handing the torch to Adam Alfonso. You are handing the torch to Chicago. The Windy City has the torch right there in their hands as you and all the other Chiefs fans out there in the world are miserable and sad knowing that there's nothing you can do. You're at the end of your line of rope with Aaron Rodgers. You need an O-line to play for the Chicago Bears. Not going to happen. Don't care. Aaron Rodgers going to be there. We're going to fix all this. Looking for back-to-back MVPs. And he's going to dismantle, demolish, embarrass, decapitate that Chicago Bears defense. I don't care. You come to Lambeau, Justin Fields, you know what? You know it's going to be even funnier. Someone's going to get hurt. They're going to be hot. That's Justin Fields' first start in Lambeau against the GOAT, Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't matter if it is his first start or not. You come into Lambeau, that's a different monster. We got fans this year. I don't know. Maybe if it is that good, maybe me and Adam Alfonso will find our way up there in Lambeau. I will be there. If you two are going to that game and this game has playoff implications, I will be there. I will call off work. I will quit a job. I will be there at this game. So what side are you rocking? Are you just going to go full loss of down fit? My buddies make fun of me because they hate Ohio State and my group chat with the I know it's crazy to say this but the Northeast Ohio group chat the high schoolers I went with half of them hate Ohio State half of them love it I'll go in with the freaking Brady Quinn sister with AJ Hawk I hope you remember half Ohio State half Notre Dame jersey I will go in with half a jersey saying Rogers 12 with just the two and half of it being Justin Fields Chicago Bears uniform. I'll go in there like that. I swear I will. That literally made me cringe. You saw, you just saw me shake in here. That was all natural. Just absolutely disgusting. Fucking sickened me, Wally. Now, do you have any Monday night games that stick out to you at all whatsoever? My bias is really going to show for you, but I had two actually that I was looking at. One being, since we talked about how there's not a an initial Monday night football doubleheader, 
So the Raiders getting that initial Monday night game against Baltimore to open up that wonderful, that beautiful stadium out there in Vegas, I think that's one I'm excited for. It'll be interesting, too, to see if you have the Ravens that are trying to talk themselves into being a passing team or a team that's got the capability of throwing downfield. Guess what? The Raiders cannot defend a pass. Then you flip the field. You go to the other side. You have the Raiders, who are convinced this year's different. We bring in Gus Bradley. We're going to be able to defend the pass. Well, and then you go up against a team like with Lamar Jackson. What's going to give? What's going to take? That one was one I was really excited about. But you remove bias. One I think could have great fun and great implications for this upcoming season is the Monday night football game to end the entire regular season. The Steelers and the Browns. What if by some chance the Browns and Steelers are doing what they did last year and they had a chance that they were playing for a division title in the last week. Obviously, it didn't end up happening once the last week happened uh, because the Steelers limped into the playoffs with the title. It'd be great to see that last game mean something, especially because here's my hot take for you. If they do not flex this game out, Big Ben's career is going to end on Monday night because the Steelers will not, that is, will not, as in won't, make the playoffs. Making that hot take already. Already foreshadowing for episodes weeks to come. Love to hear. Nothing really sticks out to me. Like I said, this Monday night slate is an absolute joke. You know what? I'll say week eight, eyebrow raiser, Giants at the Kansas City Chiefs. That Giants defense is fun. People seem to forget that was a top 10 defense last year. A varied and, you know, injured offensive unit. Not saying that uh, that offensive unit can be anything spectacular, but they definitely have pieces in place. You have a fully healthy Daniel Jones. You got Saquon coming back off an ACL injury, which he's either going to be absolutely horrible or he's just going to have Adrian Peterson vibes and come back and just win the win the MVP. But Evan Ingram, you signed Kenny Galladay away from the Detroit Lions. You already have, like I said, Sterling Shepard. You got Evan Ingram. You bring in Kyle Rudolph as another tight end, another safety valve for a young, growing Daniel Jones. I think this Giants team can be very dangerous. At Kansas City Week 8, November 1st to be exact, sticks out to me. As well as, it's a toss-up between the Giants at Tampa Bay, which if you guys remember last year, here's another Monday night game. I want to say it was like week 13, week 14 this past year. The Buccaneers were rolling, and the Giants gave them an absolute scare on Monday night. Giant or The Buccaneers came out with, I believe, only winning by a field goal, just one possession. Then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just go on an absolute tear. That was their last competitive game the Bucs had all year. I'm, I'm uh, interested to see how that one's going to go, as well as the, the week after, week 12 on the 29th. Seattle at the Washington football team. We all know that Washington got very close to beating Seattle last year. They had to put in your boy, Dwayne Haskins, and he could not get the job done. And those really are the games that kind of stick out to me. Both those games could be divisional implications on the outside, right? Like Washington and the Giants, the NFC East is going to be tight. You know the NFC West is going to be tight. And a game like this could alter the NFC West standing-wise with records against like opponents. Those are, those are the only games that really stick out to me. Do you have anything to add for me, my guy? You're not going to like what I have to add. It's got nothing to do with what you just said, because I think you actually said a really, like, you summed that up well. What you're not going to like. Here's my question for you first. It's going to lead into what you're not going to like. Who was my quote-unquote team last year? The Washington football team. I know that. Are you ready for who might end up being my team this next year, Steven? I'm going to take a stab at it, the Atlanta Falcons. This is where you're going to add in the Stone Cold Steve Austin glass breaking. (laughs) This is where I'm coming in, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going to like what you have to hear, Steven. I think... I'm going to have to refer Justin Fields in that Chicago Bears team. Not rooting against you, but I will say this. If they run into each other in a game of importance, I don't think you're going to like what Wally has to say. 
That's all I'm going to say. And you can just basically do the same thing and be a turncoat like I am and grab a Tyreek Hill Kansas City Chiefs jersey. It ain't going to hurt me. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. They might end up being my adoptive team of 2021. Absolutely disgusting. But it's okay. Because most likely my adoptive team is going to be the Chargers. We'll see if Aaron goes to Denver, which you know. I'm rocking Denver, and now we become mortal enemies. Fonz is just a thing of the past. He's just a friend at this point. But you, we become mortal frenemies, and I cannot wait. But I want to kind of leave on this note. Something that has not gotten a lot of attention, I don't think. But a real interesting possibility that just hasn't really been spoken about. What if Aaron gets dealt to the Washington football team? That would completely spin zone this for me. I would be, once again, and here's the deal. I'm rooting for Washington either way. Because I love that roster they made up. Even excluding the Ohio State aspect of it. I just like, I'm an old school throw your head in the sand, old man yells at clouds kind of fan. I love old school defense. I love games that are 10 to 7. That's who I am. That's why I'm a Big Ten football fan. So if you throw Aaron Rodgers on that team with that defense, with those defensive-minded head coaches, sorry, Adam. Sorry, Chicago. Sorry, Windy City. I am not rooting for you guys. And I'm not even going to say, I'm going to hold off in saying that Chicago is my team, by the way. I'm going to basically make that announcement when we do our preseason picks, like our final preseason picks in August. I'm just telling you, Steven, look out. Look out. I'm doing the eyes-to-eyes look right now to you. You're not going to like what I have to tell you about Chicago here in the fall because I think this team could be at least right there. Right there with the Green Bay Packers. You need to open your eyes when you're talking to me, Wally. We're giving Adam Alfonso way too much FaceTime on this episode. So we got to wrap it up. That brings us to another end here of Loss of Down. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, at Loss of Down. Twitter, down underscore loss, ran by yours truly, Walter Lukashensky. Do you have any parting words for uh, for the listeners, bud? Yeah, absolutely I do. If anybody out here has been watching NFL Network tonight, my wife, Colleen Wolf. Looks good right now. She called me sweet. It's not a big deal. Like I said, we've talked about this. I probably will bring it up 20 times more between this and the next time we see each other at the draft next year. Because we have an open relationship where we only see each other from a couple hundred feet every every 12 months or so. It's not a big deal. But yeah, outside of that, I don't have much to say. I will, real quick, I am a former employer... An older woman named Terry, she passed away this last week, and that was tough. It was a bummer. I really respect her. She did a lot for me when I was growing up, and I've been a little, I guess, rattled this week because even if they're not family, that that bums you out, and I really just want to basically say I'm thinking about her, and I've been thinking about her a lot this last week, and just basically appreciate the people that you have around you because you really just don't know uh, when it's going to end. And that goes for each and every one of us. I'm, I'm not trying to end it on a sappy note. So transition just to say, you know, screw the Packers just for the sake of this episode, Stephen. But I don't even know where to add. Well, it's it's kind of sounds bad that I'm coming in laughing here. But we had about a two-minute uh, little delay here that I'm sure Wally's going to edit out. But Wally, condolences to you, bud. Never want to see you down. But fuck you for making the Packers comment. So J. Cole. The offseason drop in Friday. If you don't know, now you know. You need to go listen to that man. He's he's the man. Just like my dude, Walter Lukashensky. Thank you again. I'm Steven Weeb. Like I said, he is Walter Lukashensky. This is another episode of Loss of Down. Love you, Colleen. We'll see you soon. Uh-huh.